to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Fulick. Welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fulick, and as always, we like to talk about things related to disaster recovery, business continuity, COVID, crisis management, anything that's relatable to those topics, and anything that helps you, your organization, or your community plan for, prepare, and respond to and overcome adverse situations. Longtime listeners, you'll know that uh, I've been talking a lot about the Business Continuity uh, Institute conference that was held in November. I was a speaker and uh, presented there. It was all virtual this year. And I'd said that, uh, fingers crossed, I'd be able to get some of the speakers that presented at the conference. And today, I am lucky enough to have one uh, who wanted to come on the show and talk about their topic. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Dwayne Grizzle. Dwayne, welcome to your uh, to the show. Hi, thank you. Glad to be here. Now, your topic you presented was, I want to get the title right, uh, Cultural Change and Awareness. Yes, that's, that's what now, I Now, we're going to get into that because there's a few questions that I've already got off to the side here, and I know you had your outline, but could you give us a, a bit of a bio of yourself, what you do, and how you got into this industry? Okay. Um, I work for a property company called CBRE, um, based in London. I've been there roughly six years, six years now. Um, prior to that, I had a roughly... 10 years experience within business continuity quality management um, as a lead auditor within ISO 27001, um, auditing business continuity and quality management as well. I started at CBRE managing the UK certification for quality management and for business continuity. I'm also a reservist in the army, uh, 16 years um, within the military. Um, just recently finished a nine month tour um, on the COVID response. So it's been quite a busy year last year. Um, so Collectively, there's quite a lot of experience in regards to business continuity quality management across the, the different spheres of work that I've carried out, um, whether I was on operations in Afghanistan or whether that was um, working in the UK within um, the property property arena. Oh, welcome to the show. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, talking about your topic here today. Thank you. Now, you talked about uh, uh, cultural change and awareness. So let's break those down into the uh, couple of components what is culture? What do you mean by culture? Organizational culture? I think it's a bit of both. So in every organization, they, there's a certain type of culture that is within the organization. So within, I guess, where I'm working now, you have Fianna's, you have non fianas and then the culture within that is the end product of what's, what's, what's produced or what's, what's, what's earned or what's, what's sold, um, what's leased or different things like that. And then the culture is, is how everyone works together in terms of the environment that people work in and the kind of mindset that's there. And when I talk about culture, it's bringing in business continuity within that culture. So it's not changing the mindset, changing the way how people work, but it's changing the, in terms of the way how people think about the culture that they have within the business and incorporating business continuity within that so that it works alongside things that they do as a normal kind of everyday thinking. So who owns organizational culture, though? Because uh, I, I'm assuming, you know, with business continuity, people like yourself or me or many of our colleagues, you know, we, we want everyone, obviously, to champion business continuity, you know, and all, yeah. rah, 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 and all that kind of thing. But who owns the, the organizational culture overall? I think or the, is it really an owner? It's hard to say because I think the business itself sets the culture. So in terms of the work that's carried out, in terms of the, the thinking behind staff, in terms of the training that's, that's carried out, in terms of the environment that they're put within, um, in terms of the senior management, in terms of their goals and what they want to achieve, the um, business goals as well, that sets the culture and the trend in terms of what people work within. If you work within a sales environment, you can have a sales culture that you work within. It's going to be very high paced, high tempo. It's going to be very focused on sales. If you work within a science science arena, it's going to be quite different. So every 
organization has their own kind of culture they foster um, that can be changed depending on certain situations, certain things that's happening. Um, so if it's a negative culture, I think some business will, will want to change that. But on a whole, I think the, the business sets the culture, the people within the business then take that on. And then they, in a sense, incorporate the culture in terms of the way how they work and interact with their clients and everything else. What about um, IT and the business side, uh, or non-IT, I should say, you know, uh, groups? Because sometimes, uh, and I've been in this, and I'm sure you maybe you've experienced this too, sometimes the two are just at complete loggerheads all the time. You know, it, it's as though they, uh, they have completely different cultures. You know, uh, they, they've got different goals. How do you manage something like that to get them on the same page? I think there has to be quite a lot of integration, communication, um, and a lot of understanding across the different areas. So if, for instance, within business continuity, if IT don't understand the requirements of staff in regards to if the computer goes down, we need this system back up within 24 hours, or we need this to be running um, within four hours. If IT don't understand that, then they're not going to work to that SLA in regards to that. So there has to be an understanding between the two. If the organization um, don't understand in terms of what IT can deliver, then there's going to be a mismatch. So for myself, I've, I've found that that has been something that we've had to look into and try to counteract where we have our business continuity plans, where we when we say to the business in terms of, okay, so if a system goes down, how long can you live without it? Um, they might come back with something unrealistic when it comes to IT in terms of what they can deliver. So then there has to be a conversation <laughs> with IT. Yeah. So there has to be some kind of conversation with IT that comes across and says, okay, so this is what we can deliver. Potentially, if you invest more money in this area, then we can deliver this more quickly. Or this is the workaround which we can, we can look, look into. So communication, I think, is the, the really important thing in regards to that and understanding in terms of how each side works and what they actually require and need. With culture, though, uh, I, I again, I've run into this because this is why I was kind of interested and really wanted to talk to you because I've experienced some of these negative situations throughout my career. You know, uh, an organization promotes a specific culture and a way of doing things and the way we should be uh, acting and the way we treat our colleagues. And there's always... Uh, some sort of leadership that feels as though they don't have to follow this. They can do their own thing. How do you kind of bring them into the fold? Because isn't, you know, if, if they're not being positive, you know, then it's really kind of a negative culture, but yet everybody else is following the rules and that's the positive culture. So how do you reconcile the two? How do you bring them to come under the same umbrella? A lot of that comes with cultural change. So there's cultural awareness and then there's change. So you might come into a business where they've not had any issues with business continuity or this, it's very rare. And there's a lack of understanding in regards to that. So look back, if I say look back for myself, say three years before we had COVID, before we had a lot of the, um, a lot of the recent terrorist events that, that have happened the awareness around business continuity was a lot less. So people were just going around their, their normal day, daily, daily jobs um, and wasn't quite integrating business continuity within their actual work. Then when I started with the business, the one thing I realized was in terms of people's interaction and understanding of business continuity. Because if they don't understand something, they're not going to buy into it. So with that, it was a case of, slowly changing the culture and the awareness around business continuity. And a lot of that was through the training. So the incident response training that we carried out, so we'd have certain things that might be around terrorism or might be around in terms of like IT failure or different things like that, but made it realistic to the staff members that was involved in that. And gradually, as they started to realize that this is not something that's separate to the weather they carry out, but it impacts on the actual work itself. So if they lose the building for a month, what is the impact of the business? And then when that understanding starts to then develop, then the culture and the change um, starts to then happen. And then when things start to happen, in terms of like certain events happen. So within London, we had the Oxford Circus event, um, for one example. We had a business continuity training before that with a senior management team 
who went through a similar event, but it was a terrorist event. But the, what we trained in the actual event was almost replicated in the life scenario where it was, um, how do we communicate in that, in that, in that incident? Um, if we have non-CBRE personnel wants to enter the building because they want to be safe, what decision has to be made in regards to that? So we had to look at in terms of the impact different events might, ha might have. And then when you go through um, a simulated event, then you go through a live event, then the awareness then changes quite a lot. And then um, you'll find that the senior management and the staff will then take on board a lot more in terms of business continuity because they understand in terms of the impact to them what can happen. And I think that's the key part of it is the staff taking the awareness on themselves and understanding that this is something that could happen. We hope it won't happen, but you need to be prepared for it. I know we're going to talk about awareness in more detail a little bit later. Um, yes. But I just want to back up a little bit. Uh, does that mean business continuity is really driving the cultural change? Or is it that business continuity has to work with these other groups to create this cultural change? And the reason I ask is because some industries have their own practices in place, like information security yeah. or slash cyber security. You know, they have their incident response teams and, uh, you know, their way of logging incidents. And, you know, when you have IT service management and all these other groups that deal with daily interruptions, you know, which can trigger business continuity. So how how does business continuity get in there? Are they the driver of organizational change or do they have to reach out to these different groups to bring them together to, 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 to work together to create this kind of uh, mindset change? I think it's a little bit of both. When you look at, look at it, business continuity can't work without IT in terms of if IT fails, it's going to affect in terms of business continuity. So there has to be a connection between the two. Um, they might work separately in regards to the, the, the work that they carry out, the testing and then everything else. But there has to be communication between the two. So what I um, found within the company I work for now is that there was a slight disconnect, but what then had to go, what then had to happen going forward is that there had to be a lot more communication. So I need to understand in terms of the priorities for IT and IT had to understand in terms of priorities for discontinuity. The cultural change in awareness happened through discontinuity in a sense, because I was the one that was pushing that throughout the business because I needed that to be embedded. So discontinuity to be embedded in terms of the process that they have in, the, in, the, in, in place, that it worked alongside the process and wasn't changing the process itself. But then IT is like the underpinning kind of factor around that. So we need IT for everything um, nowadays. So then I had to then work with IT in terms of communicating with them and getting them to communicate with the business as well. So in a sense, bringing all three elements together um, as one conglomerate, but then working independently, but making sure that they're all understanding terms of what each require and what each actually need. So, so really there's a lot of communication that's needed for that. Yeah, so they really need to reach, as a business continuity person, I need to reach out to all these groups. And I guess that way too, you also find out where your um, duplication of efforts occur. Or, yeah. or even, yeah. or, or even where uh, even worse, assumptions. Oh, we yeah. thought you were doing this. Oh, we thought you were doing that. You know, yeah. to to help make change occur and get everybody on the right path. Yeah, I think for myself, I'm in the uni unique position that I manage the quality management process and discontinuity. And because they both have an element of risk identification, it's quite useful to have that because you can incorporate identifying risk with business continuity within your quality management audits. Um, you can identify risk within IT and you can identify risk within business continuity. But you have to bring all that together to then identify in terms of what the key risks are across the business. So if you don't communicate, then you will have duplication of effort or you will have things that will be missed where one area will think, oh, that's business continuity. Another area will think, oh, that's IT. One area will think, oh, that's the staff community that should be responsible for that. And then no, if no that, one takes that, it on that board, never happens. That never happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So there, there has to be some kind of responsibility as well in regards to that. Are there any chances of, um, uh, not sorry, that's the wrong way of saying it. Uh, I, I, I kind of want to bring in audit and compliance here. If, if there's an organizational uh, culture that does things a specific way, how does, is audit also a driver to create these uh, changes? I think it is because it brings awareness to staff. 
So if you're auditing your processes and you can identify in terms of where the risk areas are and where the kind of areas where you're not quite meeting requirements or we're not quite doing stuff correctly, you can audit that, then you can identify that and you can implement new changes to the, to the process. If you don't carry that kind of audit trail, whether it was within business continuity or quality management or have a combined effort between the two, which is even better in a sense, then it then works in your favor if you, if you do that. Uh, and on that, we've actually come to the end of our first segment. Believe it or not, see, I told you time flies. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking today with Dwayne Grizzle, who presented at the BCI Virtual World Conference on his topic, cultural change and awareness. And we'll be right back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Today, many doctors prescribe basic pharmaceuticals to their patients who aren't feeling well or have various aches or pains. Is this the right course of action for all patients? Definitely not. Find out about healthy, natural ways to help you feel your best by tuning in to the CBD Ed Show with host Edward Cheney. Ed will explain full-spectrum CBD, where the whole hemp plant can be used for treatment, and answer all of your questions about CBD and natural treatment in general. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back. Today we are talking with Dwayne Grizzle and his BCI Virtual World Conference topic of cultural change and awareness. Dwayne, great uh, first segment. Thank you very much. Uh, I do have a question for you, though, uh, with regards to organizational culture and COVID. Yeah. Do you see any uh, positive and or negative impacts from uh, COVID on corporate culture? I think the positives you can take out of it is that there's a lot more awareness of the impacts of how a pandemic or a serious event can have on the business itself and the kind of thinking that needs to go around it. So in terms of, for instance, we have had to close quite a few offices for a period of time, um, whether that's through government um, legislation, well, not good legislation in terms of, but in terms of um, the government guidelines that's been set out in terms of the tier structures or different kind of things. And that's made us look into the, the procedure that we have in place. So if there's certain areas within business that need to do a certain kind of financial work, um, and they need certain documentation or need to work in a certain kind of way, or you need to have two members of staff and need to sign something off. How do we do that if the building has to close? So a lot of thinking had to go into that in terms of how the effects would happen. Because COVID seemed to be a slow creep at first, we had the time to plan, get things into place in terms of the communication process, the working groups and everything else, and put, put things into place. So that when it was full blown, it was a, a major impact in the UK. We had the opportunity to have those plans in place already. We had pandemic plans in place already. Um, but I think the problem with, with COVID is that it seemed to 
have a different um, trajectory to everything that we've seen before. Um, I worked in biomedical science and in pathology labs and stuff like that before that. And I'm not seeing anything that seemed to work in this kind of way or, act or resemble this kind of thing. So the impact that we've had has been a lot greater in terms of staff, in terms of the effect that, that it's had, in terms of the impact of staff, in terms of the psychological effects as well. So um, mm. you've had so many people that's been affected either directly or family members and things like that. So there's a lot that we've had to consider in regards holistically how the business is affected. Um, thankfully, because we had a business continuity procedures and, and certification in place already, we already had that thinking in place. So that was kind of step one for the process. And then it was looking at what we have in place already and what do we need to incorporate extra to deal with COVID. Now, that's interesting because I was going to ask you if uh, business continuity was uh, involved right from the beginning because COVID, when it first started, seemed to be more people-related. So business continuity, and I know I, I know people that uh, weren't involved, you know, business continuity wasn't involved at the very beginning, you know, because of the slow uh, creep, you know, of COVID. And then when it blew up, obviously a different story, but then business continuity came late to the table, it seemed. I think it had to be involved from the start because of the fact that we weren't quite sure how the business was going to be impacted. So we had to understand in terms of what the impacts might be. And I guess that's what business continuity is. You're looking at a potential impact to your procedures or your processes and how you then deal with that. So yes, the impetus and the drive wasn't as, as fast paced as it was initially. Um, well, going forward. Um, but we did have that kind of time to look back and think in terms of what do we need to put into place? If we had to close an office, how would that, how would that look? If we need to move staff from one office to another, we practiced that already in our business continuity training. So we had that kind of thinking already. So it was quite important that we were involved in the start because then once you're trying to catch up, it's a little bit more difficult to do so, especially when the everything with COVID is so fast paced. If you weren't already prepared, then you seem to have almost lost the race before you even started. Yeah, that's true. I, and I've heard, read and heard too many stories uh, that, uh, you know, uh, are exactly as you point out. So COVID obviously has made big changes. So with organizations, organizational culture, but what kind of other changes are we talking about when it comes to, um, you know, uh, organizational culture and change, you know, hierarchical, um, you know, changing our uh, business plans, you know, what, what kind of changes and how do they impact business continuity overall? What, what do we need to, to think about? I think in a sense, almost everything had to change. So we had to change in terms of how we run our business in terms of the buildings that we have, um, how staff interact with each other the senior management involvement had to be there from the start and extremely well involved um, and aware of the impacts that COVID had and in terms of what they need to do in that process. Because if senior management isn't involved in that, then it's then difficult to get the, the changes necessary implemented and to get staff involved and getting them embedding that into their process because it starts from the top. Um, they had to push out in terms of this is what we need to do this is how it's going to work. And this is the communication we need to communicate to our staff. And if that impetus isn't from the senior management team, then it's all gets lost in the ether. So it was quite important that the senior management was involved from the start in regards to that. And it's quite useful that we have um, business continuity teams within each building, that we have a senior management team that oversees when it gets to a crisis. So we had that kind of structure already in place in regards to that. So it was quite not easier, but it made it more, be more able to react to the, to the changing situation. So our plans had to be adapted. So the plans that we had in place were, were still useful, but we then had to think about in terms of what further impacts might there be. So if COVID goes on for longer than we anticipate, how would that work? If the government brings in new guidelines in terms of how would that guidelines impact the business? Um, if we had to send the majority of staff which is what happened eventually, um, to work from home. What would be the IT impacts of that? How would our systems work in terms of how they'd be integrated? So there was a lot of thinking and planning that to go at the start 
that was then implemented throughout the, the period of time. And even then it was constantly changing. So our hygiene um, plans that we had in place had to then change dependent on the, the levels and the, the type of um, risks that we were facing. Um, so I think with this pandemic, it's made everyone think a little bit differently to how business continuity is involved in the business. I think everyone's a lot more aware of the impact. And then if we didn't have something in place that the impact of the business could have been a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sad to say that sometimes it takes something like this um, for that to happen. Um, but when it does, it does, it then changes everyone refer- um, to a great extent in terms of how they think, how they look and how they perceive the work that they carry out. And in terms of what they need to do in regards to discontinuity as well. Well, yeah, I agree with you because, you know, the worst case scenario people used to talk about is, you know, um, we've lost our complete building, you know. Well, yeah. now the worst case scenario, you actually have your people, your building, your processes. Yeah. You know, who would have thought that the worst case scenario meant you actually had everything available? Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's a really weird way of looking at it. Yeah. So how, how do you uh, suggest and what are your thoughts on uh, changes that are outside of COVID, you know, or not resulting as of COVID, like, you know, technical changes, you know, pur- purchasing new applications, you know, somebody who was identified as your crisis management team leader all of a sudden goes to a new role, you know, and they can't do the CMT. How do you manage that? How do you stay in the loop of all those kind of things, project management, et cetera? With business continuity, there, there seems to be a major element of project management that seems to be continuing all the time. So you have tenure of staff, whether it's in senior management or within the actual staff itself. Um, so there's always constant, constant change. I think you have to get used to the fact that there is going to be constant change in regards to that. So within um, the business for, for myself, you'll see that staff were always constantly changing. So you had to make sure that the, the new person coming in was up to date and and relevant and they knew in terms of what they require, what was required of them. Um, you had to be aware of in terms of any kind of regulatory changes that would come into place or new changes to the, to the, to the process or certification. So it's a constant battle that you have to keep on, keep on top of it really and just be aware of the differences and things that might happen. So the business itself might change. There might be new teams put into place. They might have new things they might to, to think about. There might be elements of a team that you might have considered before. So, for instance, if a team um, does banking or something like that, in terms of how would that be affected by certain things happening? And COVID did bring out some of those elements and other things have brought out some of those elements in terms of like bad weather or IT failure or different things like that. So it's a constant battle that you're fighting in terms of trying to make sure that you're on top of all the different things that can impact. Do you suggest or recommend or have you experienced your involvement with any sort of a... um or what are they called, uh, project management offices, you know, so that you can keep in the loop, oh, hey, they've, they're doing this project uh, where they're going to be changing or decommissioning, you know, an application or, or something, you know, that, how's that going to impact uh, or does it impact any of our business continuity plans and, you know, responses and things like that? Do you, do you suggest, you know, getting involved on that level? I think definitely that you need to be aware in terms of how things could impact. So, if we have certain systems in place or software or IT functionality, if you don't understand how it works, then how can you plan for it or incorporate it into a plan? Or if you don't know how a team works, how can you understand in terms of what their requirements will be in a business continuity event? So there has to be a level of understanding in terms of the, the structure within the business, how the teams operate, what they need, um, and what they need as key elements and not just what they need as, oh, I need my IT to be back up within 20 minutes, if that's not possible. Um, and also to understand in terms of the other areas of the business. So new things have been brought into, brought into place. The, because I sit within compliance, I guess that makes it a little bit easier in that, in that respect because you get to oversee the business as a whole in terms of the, the overall impact of different areas um, I have in regards to that. So if we don't have the KYC function carried out on certain things, that will have a major impact. But what impacts that? So IT impacts a certain element of it. The systems that we have in place impact a certain element of it. So then you get to understand in terms of what's the key drivers behind the business as well. So you have to look at 
because continuity is a holistic kind of, I need to understand certain elements because if I don't, I'm not going to be aware um, of failure points within the business. That's uh, what, what do they call it? Uh, you know, knowing the business. Yes. You know, that business continuity, you can't just say, you know, here's how you prepare, here's how we're going to respond. You actually have to truly understand what your business is doing. Yeah. And then when, uh, I, I guess when the PMO, the project management office comes along or, you know, um, and says we're changing something, we're implementing something or we're going to implement, they hopefully, you know, you, BCM has built a, a relationship with them to say, you know, but before we implement, we have to understand what it is that may be changing from your side so that, you know, two days after implementation, something goes wrong, you already yeah. have your plan updated not yeah. a uh, annual review, which is, uh, you know, could be a year later. And it's like, oh, we, uh, our plan is completely out of whack with what happened, with yeah. where things are right now. Yeah, definitely. I think the awareness on the business continuity person that has, that has responsibility is key, as well as awareness of staff. Because you're not aware of where in terms of how the business runs or how it works, then you're going to be fighting a losing battle to keep on top of everything, all the changes around the business and the major impacts that business continuity could have on those, those areas. Should, should that mean business continuity have a seat at some sort of a uh, major leadership table? You know, maybe not if you can't get to the C-suite, you know, but a risk management uh, committee or something to understand what's going on, you know, on a, at least on a monthly basis, you know, here's what the kind of things that are in the pipeline, you know, should they get involved on, on that level? Possibly, yes. Um, or if you can't be involved in because of hierarchy or, or level, then um, be looped into what's happening or the understanding of what's happening. So, for instance, with risk management across the business where I'm working now, if I don't understand in terms of the key risk for the business, then I won't really understand in terms of what my priorities are going to be for business continuity. Mm-hmm. So there has to be an element of communication between the two in regards to the senior management, what they need, and what they understand is their, their key risks. And then in terms of what I'm then identifying within the actual business itself and then matching the two together. So you sit almost a, as a conduit between the two, understanding both sides, um, because there's going to be a slight difference between what senior management think are key risks and what the, the rest of the business will see as well, in terms of what their day-to-day role and, and tasks are um, to meet the requirements of what the senior management need. So you do need to understand from both elements. They really business continuity now really needs to get um, uh, more involved with these different areas, especially with the risk. I think yes. you know yes. it's it's not just here's your BIA, you know, review your responses, you know, and oh, yeah, this and that. It's it's a much bigger, uh, broader understanding of what's going on around you now. You know, you yeah. can't just focus on a flood, you know, yeah. or a tornado, right? Yeah, I think you have to understand risk. Because if you don't understand risk, then how do you identify risk within the business? And how do you get staff members that identify risk as well? Because everyone's perception of risk is quite different. So mm-hmm. you have to get a kind of level plane in terms of what do you see your risk as? And then have a little chat about it and say, okay, so you see that IT failure is the risk. Is IT failure really the risk? Or is it that if you lose this system or this process, is that more of a key risk? And how do you then have a workaround for that? Because we'll always have IT, IT failure as, as a main kind of risk because there's nothing you can do about it. It happens. But the key drivers behind that, IT can come back up quite quickly. But if you lose a certain system with an IT kind of um, field, what will that impact be? Um, and it's looking at the, the kind of granular detail in regards to that. And on that note, we've come to the end of our second segment. We're talking today with Dwayne Grizzle and his presentation from the BCI Virtual World Conference. Uh, cultural change and awareness. We'll be right back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Turn every weekend into a fun storytime adventure with Jesse Jameson and Friends. Each week, Jesse brings on a new guest with a great real life story to share. 
And he tests the limits of some of his friends' storytelling abilities with fun questions and outrageous comments. If you have a story worth telling, you can be a part of the show too. Listen to Jesse Jameson and Friends every Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullen. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back for segment three. Today we are talking with Dwayne Grizzle and his presentation at the BCI Virtual World Conference in 2020 on the topic of cultural change and awareness. Dwayne, great uh, segments there, first and segment, talking about culture and change. Now let's look uh, a little bit more into awareness. What really is awareness, you know, uh, and is there a difference with training? I think awareness is the, from my kind of point of view, is the understanding of staff, um, well, their understanding of discontinuity. As a, as a first point of view in terms of what it is um, because you'll, you'll find that a lot of people don't really understand what discontinuity is and then the awareness is in terms of how that affects them the plans they have in place awareness of the plans and the procedures and what they need to do the the team that will be deciding the decisions um, and making those decisions in regards to their safety and different things like that and, and communicating that to them the awareness of who they are so that's the kind of awareness kind, kind of way that I look at awareness. When it comes to training, training is an incorporation of that awareness. So unless you train staff or you, you give them communication or information or you create posters or you have discontinuity exercises or different things like that, then without that training, you won't have awareness. So the two things do actually work together. Mm. Um, but there is a difference between training and awareness. Awareness is the person's understanding and the training is what they get pr- provided by the discontinuous personnel or information just provided to them to give them that awareness and that understanding of what they need to do. So how valuable then are things like um, uh, lunch and learns? You know, I, I've attended some of those, you know, and the attention is supposed to be that I learn something but all it ends up being lunch and learns and business continuity ones as well. And I'm guilty of doing this, you know, uh, as well is it's more, they become more of a promotion of, well, this is what I do, you know, uh, you know, rather than this is what you need to know. Yeah. I, I've not really done a lunch and learn what I've done with the business I've, and the way I've looked at it. I've created things like posters that identify the, the key elements of what you need to need to identify and know. So in terms of, who to communicate with, what you need to do, what you need to understand in terms of an incident, what happens, and then in terms of what is your responsibility within that incident. And the posters are quite simple, um, little posters with cartoon characters that um, help staff to, if something happens, they can quickly look at that and say, okay, so this is what I need to know, and this is what I need to understand in regards to discontinuity on that level. And then how, how, do you, with, how do you make sure that somebody actually read that poster? So... Part of that was making sure that it was in, on email. So we sent around via email. It was set up in all the offices in the breakout areas. So if you're going to go make a coffee, get a cup of tea, um, some biscuits, or have your, have your lunch, you're going to see the poster because you're walking past it every single day. 
a lot of people might might miss it, but there's lots of opportunities that we give them to actually see it. So any kind of communication from corporate comms team, um, we tried to incorporate into that com- communication. Um, we had a video that was put together with information around discontinuity by our managing director, who then highlighted the, the key key points in which people need to be aware of. And that helps with the awareness because you have the person responsible saying to you, this is discontinuity and it's what you need to be aware of. So there's a few different things that we did together to, to raise that awareness. So it's not a case of, um, you know, and I've been through this even in my restaurant days, and I've mentioned this on the show before, you know, just hanging up a new notice and then expecting everyone to have read it, assuming everyone read it, and then can't figure out why further down the road, nobody's actually following what that poster said they should do. Yeah, yeah. It's, with stuff, you, you can't expect someone to read something. Um, you have to sort of guide them to, to where it is, that information. Um, and even if you guide them to the information and you think that they understand it and know it, when it comes down to the crunch, they might not be aware of it at all. So there needs to be lots of opportunities where they can get the information either through their team meetings where they will go through a mini exercise that will help them to understand in terms of the impact to themselves and how that will work. If we go through um, evacuation training, different things like that, we'll talk through in terms of the reasons for it. I will go to team meetings and travel to the different offices and speak to staff and say, you know, this is continuity. These are people responsible for discontinuity within your office. This is how it works, and this is how it impacts you, and this is what you need to know and understand and be aware of in regards to that. And then couple that with the awareness training, we have internal auditors. They get trained on in terms of the impact of business continuity and to look at certain aspects of that. We have business continuity audits where we will ask staff in terms of questions of, have you read the, the plans in place? Do you know how that works? Induction you need to incorporate into induction training so that when staff are coming into the business, they're aware mm. on day one, this is what you need to know, and this is what you need to do if an incident happens. Is it different then, if someone comes in you know, in a management level and they, uh, because of their position, you know, let's say a new vice president or something, um, they get a different set of uh, training or awareness right up front because part of their role may be, you know, you're now in charge of, uh, the finance department response in case there's a a, a, um, a disaster of some sort. So is there a well, different kind of awareness for them? How it works is that we have the awareness training for everyone, the initial induction training, but then you have the crisis management team, which is a senior management who managed the, an incident when it goes up to a certain level. So they will be the ones responsible for those incidents, whether it's finance, whether it's IT, HR or, or anything else in terms of their response in regards to that. So we have a set dedicated team that are on that, that training and they get training every year in regards to that. If someone new comes into the place, they will join that team and they will get that training. Um, whether they will go through crisis management, um, incident response, um, different scenarios and simulations, and then they will then get the full kind of understanding in terms of this is your responsibility and this is what is expected of you in that, in that scenario. Um, what I also do is I go through to the different offices and go through with the senior management teams there in regards to this is your responsibility because you, you're at this office. If something happens, you're the first point of response um, and you're the first person that will make that decision in terms of what happens initially. If it gets to a crisis, yes, we have the crisis management team and we'll take that on board and then the executive management team and, and, and so on and so on. So it's having different levels of people in charge that will make those decisions, whether it's from the service kind of level in regards to the building managers who might make an initial assessment of there's a flood in the toilet, do we need to evacuate or what needs to happen in regards to that? To there's no water in the building, we can't then use toilets, we can't then wash hands, we can't do different kind of things. So the building needs to be evacuated, the city management team has to make a decision on that. So there are different levels to, to that in a sense. Now, you've mentioned testing a, a few times here, you know, training different people and things like that. How, what kind of tests do you do? You know, components, you know, simulations, tabletops, you know, is there anything that works better than others? I think it's good to have a combination of, of all of them. So if you just have one type of test, so like say, for instance, a tabletop exercise where it's a, 
a computer screen and you're just clicking through something that's happening, then people will switch off after a while. Yeah. But if it's a live kind of event where it's, you need to do this, and this is the impact of that decision, this is what's happening now, and you have to communicate with this person, and the team have to work together. And then there's interaction in terms of, okay, so we know that there's been an explosion outside. What information do we have? Who do you communicate with? What communication do you send to the staff initially? What do you need to, what do you expect the staff to do? Um, if you haven't heard from certain staff and stuff like that, what's the timelines in regards to using Everbridge or whatever communication lines that we have? So you have to integrate and understand in terms of the environment that you're in, in terms of, okay, so what things is happening in, in the world at the moment? What's the kind of key risks to the business? And then look at that in terms of how you then plan the, exercises that you have and make them exciting make them realistic and make them relevant to the actual building the team um, and different things like that so then there's a lot of work that goes into it whether it's a tabletop exercise or whether it's something that's specific for each team um, I prefer to do something that's specific for the team because it means that they're working on something that or they, they have an understanding in terms of okay so this is the impact of my process my procedures and mm -hmm. this is what I need to do if it's quite generic then you won't really see or understand in terms of the impact to you. Right. Now, post-test, after you've done these tests, what can you use these tests to help cha uh, make change occur to better increase um, co the business continuity culture? Yes. I'm, I'm assuming that you know, tests can actually be a driver for those. Yes. Yeah. So what I found is that if you have a test that's relevant. Um, so for instance, the test that we had that was on a simulated terrorist, terrorist event, that changed the culture and the thinking within the senior management team. Then when you had the change in the culture and the awareness, they then was more involved in terms of understanding and, and driving in terms of, we want to know more, and we want to be more involved. So if you do something that happened that is relevant to them, and that they're aware of, and it, it brings about that kind of understanding and awareness, that kind of cultural change will happen by itself. Because then when we had the live incidents, and then the senior management team realized that actually we've actually gone through this in a, in a testing environment, so now we can just implement what we've tested and we've talked about in a live environment. Then it makes the understanding more better in terms of, okay, so now I can see that there's an importance of having these, this training that's, that's carried out. What about um, you know watching the news and uh, you know a, a competitor or something has a situation, you know something that happens to a competitor, uh, you know, can you leverage that to increase your awareness and you know make change in your own organization? I think we try to leverage everything. So whether it's a regulatory thing that might happen. So if a company hasn't complied with their KYC requirements and haven't carried out certain elements of compliance. We will use that to say this is what happens if you don't do what you're supposed to do so if we tell you to do this and you don't do it we could be fined 30 million pounds like this company has um over here um because it's relevant and staff mm -hmm. can actually see that actually there's an impact to me if i don't follow the procedures that's in place and i guess you can kind of look and say uh, this is what triggered their issue um would that hit us the same way and you can kind of go through your plans and you know processes and what you have in place and say ah we've identified a gap so you, you know you're yeah. kind of leveraging someone else's misfortune to you know a, a better position yourselves yeah i think you have to look at what's happened in the past and how other people have been affected to understand in terms of what you need to implement so for instance if you look at um there's a story that we gave in terms of with Nokia and how they um, had difficulties getting a certain chipset that they had in place. Um, and because they didn't have the, the certain chips, um, they then lost out in terms of market share because they couldn't get the from the warehouse or something similar to that. And while another business had a backup to that so they could have the chips in place and then they could continue doing the work. Now, if you look at those kind of scenarios, you look at in terms of how your business works. So for instance, if... We need to have um, a certain supplier, supply and for certain kind of products. If we don't have a backup to that, how would that affect the business? Or if we have a certain system in place, how would the loss of that system affect how we carry out our work? So what workaround do we have to implement in place or what kind of other software 
do we need to have as a backup or do we need to actually look at that provider in terms of what their business continuity plans are? And I think that's a key element. It's not only looking at your business continuity planning, but it's also your suppliers who you work with mm-hmm. and, you know, everyone else as well. So that you can understand in terms of the impacts might not be what we're doing. It actually might be what someone else is doing. True. That's a good point. We've only got two minutes left. Uh, do you have a uh, final thought on uh, uh, cultural change and awareness? I think cultural change and awareness is something that every business can incorporate into, into their business continuity planning um, and process procedures. It's something that's quite important. Um, if you don't have business continuity embedded as something that is a part of the culture, then it won't be taken on board. And if people aren't aware, they won't know what to do. Um, so you do have to, in a sense, play that game off gradually changing that culture and awareness to make sure that you get to a point in time where people just do it as a normal normal thing rather than think of it as a auditing kind of process or something similar to that. It's an ongoing job, right? Yes, you know, yes, definitely. If the business is ongoing, the risks are ongoing, then, you know, business continuity, you got to be ongoing. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Well, Dwayne, thank you very much for your time. Uh, enjoyed no, our you. chat, uh, your uh, presentation from the BCI uh, Virtual World Conference 2020, Cultural Change and Awareness. Um, you know, if there's something else you want to talk about at some other point, uh, please feel free to reach out and we'll get you back and uh, you know, we'll chat and uh, see what uh, else you have to say. But thank you very much for your time. And I know uh, where you are, it's uh, lunchtime. So uh, go, and, yes. <laughs> go and enjoy your lunch. <laughs> uh, me, I'm going to go have my breakfast for where I am. <laughs> so, uh, and to everyone listening and watching, uh, stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.